In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So there was this man, he was walking down the road, minding his own business, just enjoying a, a nice day's walk. And he was going to go and start to cross the street. And as he began to cross the street, he wasn't paying attention. Boom, he gets hit by a bus. His body gets flown. He's there laying on the sidewalk. And everybody comes around and says, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, what happened? And he's there, and he knows he's, he's dying. And he just says, a priest, please, a priest, a priest, you know. So everybody starts running, and they're trying to find a priest, and they're like, we're not going to get a priest in time, he's dying, and they're running, running. While this is happening, this figure emerges from the shadows of the alleyways. He's unkept, he's staggering, he says, what's going on? And they said, well, this, this, this man, he got hit by a bus, he's going to die, he just wants a priest, we can't find a priest. And the guy says, well, listen, I'm not a priest, but I live in the alley behind Sacred Heart Cathedral, and I know their prayers. I can say their prayers for him. They're like, okay, great. So they make way, make way. They bring this guy up, and the guy's laying there dying, and the other guy comes up to him, leans over him, looks right, him in, the eye, right in the eyes, and says, B4, I19, <laughs> N38. <laughs> Those are our Catholic prayers, okay. Now, we know that the Sabbath is a gift given to us by God. And we know that during the Sabbath, we are called to do many things, including pray. And so I want to talk about the call to prayer on the Sabbath on the Lord's Day. But before we get there, I just want to close the circle in terms of Saturday evenings. Because you don't need me up here every weekend reminding you of the church's instruction. We've now heard it for multiple weeks. You've got it. Regrettably, the vast majority of Catholics in the church do not have it. And as some of our older Catholics have expressed to me both in person and by email, why were we not taught about this? When Saturday evenings were permitted, why did they not teach us? And all I can do is step back and say, that was the age when priests were running off with nuns, okay? That was not the age of great fidelity, right? That was at a time when the church was really broken. Infidelity was the rule of the day. Innovation led to compromise. And so the faithful were not taught. Things were changed, developed, or adjusted, and you were not taught. I profoundly understand the anger and the frustration of Catholics who've said, we were told we could go on Saturday night, we've always gone on Saturday night, that's been our habit, and now you're telling us that that was not supposed to be the case. And I can understand that anger. Because the church gave very clear instructions. You've heard them. I, I quoted them last week. And again, I'm as frustrated as you are that you were not taught. But now you have been. And you heard from the church herself. Not this priest's opinion. I would never seek to make a law where the church does not. You have heard from the church herself. And now I place upon your conscience those instructions. So now you can go to the Saturday evening Mass when there is a necessity. By the way, last weekend it was very encouraging that as I looked out at Saturday evening Mass, I saw one of our firefighters, two of our EMTs, one of our pilots from the local airlines, and a small collection of nurses. They got it. They understood. 
The Saturday evening is permitted when I honestly cannot attend Mass on Sunday morning. It's not one option, no. It's something that's provided when there's a necessity. And you've now heard from the church. And you've heard enough from me in this area. So we're closing the circle. And as your pastor now, I impose the the church's instruction upon you and upon your conscience. And I trust that if you go to the Saturday evening Mass, it's out of necessity. So if you go to Saturday evening Mass, you don't have to tell me why you're there. (laughs) You're a Christian. You're a person of virtue. I trust you. So if you're going there, I'm going to assume because you're providing care for someone or you're providing some necessity or you're taking an early flight and you won't have access to Mass or whatever it might be. I just trust. And so we can move forward now. We have many other things to talk about, many other instructions and guidance given to us by the Lord and the church. So we move forward. As we look at the Christian Sabbath and as as the Lord's Day, I want to highlight how it is a gift to us. Even as, yes, there's a certain discipline that comes with it, it's a gift. My goodness, friends, we have a God who loves us so much, he literally commands us to take it easy. Take a break. Slow down. Relax. This is the God living and true who loves us, who cares for us, who wants to make sure that we're not allowing our lives to be consumed by money or work or the anxieties and the stress of this fallen world. So while there's a discipline that comes with the Sabbath, it's also a gift. This is something that's going to help you in your spiritual life. It's going to help your marriages, your family life. will help your interaction with your neighborhood. will allow you to contribute to the overall holiness of the church herself as she seeks to fulfill her mission to proclaim the good news to the entire world. So the Sabbath is a gift. The Lord calls us to worship as he himself was a man of worship. And the Lord calls us to rest, even as he himself was a man who constantly rested in the love of the Father. So let's look at this call to rest. There are many different dimensions of the call to rest, which is what we're going to address as we go through the rest of this Lenten season. But I'd like to just highlight a few essential parts. First, I want to talk about no servile labor, and then I want to talk about the call we have to give ourselves spiritual, mental, emotional rest, especially in terms of the call to pray. First, let's talk about servile work. And let's be honest, Team Grace, we have really lost this as the people of God. Many of us have treated the Lord's Day as any other day, the Christian Sabbath, as if it's just one more day of the week. To the point that sometimes when Christian faithful are taught what we're supposed to be doing on the Lord's Day, they they are shocked and surprised. I didn't think we still did that. That sounds kind of like the Old Testament. They don't realize how much of this has actually been retained. How many of the commands of the Sabbath actually fall under the virtue of justice? which means they're a part of the moral law, not the ceremonial law, which means as the ceremonial law of the Old Testament disappeared, fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the moral law is still binding upon the people of God. And the virtue of justice is certainly within the moral law. And what is the highest of justice? The virtue of religion. And we don't talk about that. In fact, that can surprise people. Some may never have even heard that term. The virtue of religion? What's that? 
Well, first let's look at what justice is. Justice is, give, is to give to someone what is their due. So, for example, if I work for you or you work for me, we compensate for services rendered. If I borrow your lawnmower, I'm going to return your lawnmower in as good a condition or better. That is your due. That is justice. So oftentimes when we think of justice, we think of it in its punitive expression. You commit a crime, you go to jail. Well, at least you're supposed to, right? We think of it in punitive terms, which is part of justice, yes. But the positive dimensions of justice is giving to someone what is their due. We rely on the virtue of justice in our interaction with one another. And as we understand justice, the virtue of religion is within justice because that is giving God his due. We are hardwired and summoned to worship, to be with God, to be with him, to pray. And that is the virtue of religion. So we have to understand that this call to observe the Sabbath, to observe the Lord's day, is something that is due to God. When we do not observe the Lord's day, we are stealing from God. Just as when we don't tithe, we steal from God. When we do not observe the Sabbath, we steal from God. When we violate the tithe, we steal money. When we violate the Sabbath, we steal time. The tithe and the Sabbath are gifts and disciplines given to us in order to remind us of the sovereignty of God, to discipline and order our lives. So with that understanding, let's look at some of the specifics. And again, I admit some of this might catch people off guard. And I regret if this is the first time that some of you have heard these instructions, all of which are drawn from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. First, as Catholic Christians, we do not work on the Lord's day. And we do not do servile tasks on the Lord's day. That includes laundry and yard work and other such things. We rest from work, not simply paid work, but also work within our homes. God is serious that he wants us to rest. We have six other days to take care of all the things in our home. On the seventh day, we are to rest in God. So let's talk about paid work. So oftentimes Christians work on Sunday. They don't even try to get time off. Ah, this is the rotation. This is the schedule. This is when I work. Yeah, I work on Sunday. Oh, I have to go to Mass Saturday night now. Nothing. It means nothing. Did you attempt to get a different shift? Did you attempt to swap shifts with your coworkers or colleagues? Have you tried to honor the Sabbath? Because we're not supposed to be working. And oftentimes, again, this is not even on the radar of most Christians. Now, with that said, let me say this. Mother Church cares so much for us that if we have to work, I'm talking about necessity, like you have to work in order to feed your family and pay your utilities. I'm not talking about you're saving extra money for a nice vacation this summer, or you're really looking at that nice new car, or you want that new cell phone. No, those do not apply. Necessity. I know we live in a society that has confused needs and wants. But we understand with moral discernment what is a need and what is a want. If there is a need, we must work on Sunday in order to provide for ourselves or for our loved ones the necessities of life. And if we have authentically and truly, honestly, attempted everything else to take different shifts, to swap shifts, 
to appeal to our employer. If everything has been done and we cannot get a different shift or we, our employer will not allow us to stop work on Sunday and it's a necessity, then Mother Church allows us to work. Did you hear all the conditions that are a part of that concession? And yet what happens in our fallenness? We take the concession given by Mother Church and we just dismantle and remove all those conditions to the point again where we have Christians working on Sunday who don't even think about it, don't even think twice about it. We rest on the Lord's day. It is a command. It's not an option. And if we must work, we need to apply that examination of conscience and be honest with ourselves. Is this truly a necessity? Someone said to me some time ago, well, Father, it's not really a necessity, but the extra money helps. Extra money always helps. <laughs> but if there's no necessity, you have to give the shift to, your, to one of your co-workers. You cannot work on this on Sunday. You cannot work on the Lord's Day. And then in terms of the, our house itself, our home, we don't do serve our work. And someone said, well, wait a minute, that means I have to plan ahead. Yes. <laughs> the Sabbath is worth prepping for. There's the discipline we're speaking about. Yes, you're going to have to do your laundry on Saturday. Or maybe you're just going to have to say, well, we're going to have to try to figure this out come Monday. right? You should even try to prep meals beforehand. So as little work as possible is done. You should definitely not be doing yard work or things that are going to cause exhaustion. The Lord wants us to rest. And isn't it ironic? It shows our rebelliousness that we're literally going to fight God who just wants us to rest. So we do not work on the Lord's day. When there's a necessity, as I clarified, we can work. Let me also give this exception. If someone is providing a public good, for example, a nurse, a doctor, EMT, firefighter, military, and so on. The Mother Church will say you should do your best not to work. But if you must work, then those who provide public service are permitted to work. Years ago when I preached a similar series as this at a different parish at a different assignment, there was a nurse who really took to heart what was being preached. Sometime later, she came to see me and she said, Father, I, I approached my managing nurse. I asked if I could rotate off on Sunday. She said, no. I attempted to see if I could rearrange shifts, but it's really difficult with the way we do our on and offs. It would be overly difficult and it would cause a lot of problems. And she goes, Father, I've really tried. I said, well, the Lord will bless that. And you need to get to work on the Lord's day. Because we need nurses in hospitals. <laughs> So the Lord will allow you to work because you're, you are providing a public service, a human service. So the church will also give that concession in terms of those who are providing for the common good. In addition to us not working, we should not require others to work. We don't go shopping on the Lord's Day. Grocery shopping, shopping at department stores. We don't go to the golf course. We, don't, we do nothing that is not necessary. We just stop. We do not require other people to work. We pause so that others can have the same rest that God is calling us to have. You know, the Catechism of the Catholic Church goes so far as to say that as Catholics, we are to advocate for laws that protect the Lord's day, even in pluralistic societies, so that both believer and unbeliever can benefit from the rest of the seventh day, of that first day of the week. 
to have that rest of the Lord's day. And I'll tell you, this is particularly burned in my memory because, as some of you know, I grew up as an army brat in West Germany. We were an American community that was living in the midst of a German society. And on one Lord's Day, my dad went out in order to change the oil in the car. And here comes the Polizei. And they issued my father a citation. It was against the law to do manual labor on the Lord's Day. And we used to have laws like that here in the United States. The laws in Germany have changed just as they have changed here. But the Catechism of the Catholic Church says that we are to advocate for those laws. So that the rest, that should be a gift given to every one of God's children, is secured. I also want to talk about the exception in terms of when we are out and what we can do and cannot do on the Lord's Day. There's one exception that the church provides. And that's in the area of food. So, for example, if you can honestly say, I really just wasn't thinking ahead and I need this food in order to feed my family on the Lord's Day. First of all, I can't imagine that that actually happens in a first world nation, but okay. And I'm not talking about you've forgotten an ingredient and you really want this dessert. That's not what the church is talking about. Like you honestly have no food and you have to go and get food from the grocery store. <laughs> or maybe you're meeting with your extended family and there are some people who are unbelievers and in order for you to be with your extended family, they insist that they're going to order food in or they're going to go out to a restaurant. Mother Church will say in that situation, you can go to the restaurant or you can allow the food to be de delivered in. Because the church always defends and honors the family. But the church does not prefer that. She wants us to prepare things. If we're going to have a meal with our extended family, then we prepare things. If the extended family are not going to be a part of it, then we prepare more of the food. We live that life of penance. But if out of necessity we truly need to go to a restaurant or we have to order food in in order to be with our families on the Sabbath, on the Lord's Day, then the church permits it. But again, Team Grace, I stress to you, this is something that should be out of necessity. As I speak about the exception given to restaurants, I'm reminded of a story many years ago when I was visiting one of our smaller parishes out in the woods. The parish was predominantly Spanish-speaking and it was being served by a Franciscan friar, little guy, looked like Padre Pio. <laughs> and on Saturday evening, we went to one of the local restaurants and as we walked in, I was not expecting this, the owner approaches and the little friar says to this large Hispanic man, are you still open on Sundays? Oh, yeah, Father, uh, you should not be open on Sundays. That's how priests used to talk. I, I, even I was a little caught off guard, right? I was like, whoa. And they start going back and forth, back and forth, and this priest is just giving it to him that his restaurant should be closed on the Lord's Day. They had such an exchange, I thought we were going to leave. No, after they were done, we then sat down at a table. <laughs> Not awkward at all, no. <laughs> As I'm sitting there, this friar, older friar, he could understand. I was very caught off guard by that exchange. And he explained to me, he says, you know, you've been to my church, you see how small it is. Maybe some 40, 60 families. I said, yes. He said, well, tomorrow when you're at Mass, you'll see that there are wives and mothers at Mass without their husbands and fathers. And they won't be there because he makes them work on Sunday. He pulls up in his big state-of-the-art truck, his 
completely new technology, his nice clothes. They're, he's coming from the big house that everybody knows in this area. And he stands there and worships and the, how the family surrounding him cannot be with husband and father because he makes them work. And he approaches to receive Holy Communion with this audacity of spirit. He doesn't need the money. He wants the money. And he will not respect the husbands and fathers in the parish. It's like, wow. Now let me tell you something, Team Grace. You can look this up in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. There are four sins that cry to heaven for vengeance. They're like mortal sins supersized. Huh? And the scriptures are pretty clear, and the Catechism echoes this, that the vengeance of God is pretty severe. You do not want the vengeance of God to be unleashed upon you. And there are four sins that provoke the vengeance of God. One of which is mistreatment of a worker. God loves workers. And you mistreat a worker, you call God's vengeance upon you. And not allowing a worker to be with their spouse and their children on the Lord's day is a grave violation. Which is why I want to say to anyone in this congregation, in this parish, who own a business, you must be closed on Sunday. You are a Christian. You do not make other people work. You allow them to be with their loved ones and to worship God. You allow them to honor the Sabbath to fulfill the demands of the virtue of religion. You're a Christian. We do not worship the almighty dollar. We worship almighty God who has given us all, all of us, the gift of the Sabbath. So those who have business, I want to clarify and emphasize to you, you should not be open on the Lord's day. I also just want to mention about refraining from purchasing things. People sometimes ask me, well, well, what about online? Can I do digital purchasing? Look at how fickle we are. That's the first thing people start to think. I can't go shopping. Can I shop online? <laughs> how, how about you just rest? <laughs> you know? Just rest, right? Here, here's a help. We should do nothing on the Lord's Day that requires us to spend money. So yes, that includes digital purchases. We shouldn't be on the computer. We shouldn't be on our cell phone. We should have those things off. We should, be, we should not be worried about what sports are on or what the television shows are. That, that's not our focus on the Lord's Day. That's not what we do as Christians on the Christian Sabbath. Listen to what the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, the Catholic Church says to us. The faithful should see to it that legitimate excuses do not lead to habits prejudicial to religion, family life, and health. So of all the conditions and concessions that the church will provide, the catechism is telling us, make sure you don't use these permissions, these concessions, and allow them to become normative because they will hurt the spiritual life, family life, and they will hurt our health. All right, so that's work in terms of servile labor. Let's now talk about our call to allow ourselves to have spiritual, mental, and emotional rest and rejuvenation. The Catechism tells us Sunday is a time for reflection, silence, cultivation of the mind, and meditation which furthers the growth of the Christian interior life. 
On the Lord's day, we should try to avoid what causes us stress or tension or fighting on the Lord's day. So on the Lord's day, if some family member says something stupid, we just let them be stupid. We're not going to try to pick a fight on the Lord's day. If we know we're going to call that person and they're going to say something, we just don't call them on the Lord's day. We don't check our email because we know there's going to be something in our email that's going to frustrate us. So we avoid anything that's going to cause stress to our mind, souls, or to our bodies. We should allow our bodies, minds, emotions, and our souls to rest. Now we're going to talk about the different aspects of that rest. I want to highlight this morning the call to prayer. Because as peculiar as it might sound to some, yes, when we pray, we are giving ourselves rest. There can be some spiritual work involved, especially as we're first beginning our life of prayer. But prayer after worship, prayer is one of the best ways in which we provide rest to ourselves. So I want to talk about that spiritual rejuvenation that comes from prayer. Now here at Our Lady Grace, we've spoken a lot about prayer. Remember last Lent, we spoke about all the prayer methods. And then last Easter season, we walked step by step, slowly through the Liturgy of the Hours. Well, that knowledge is going to be helpful for us, especially as we want to respond to the call to pray on the Lord's Day. So we can use these prayer methods and we can use this understanding of the Liturgy of the Hours. I want to remind us that the Catechism of the Catholic Church defines prayer as a vital and personal relationship with God. Vital and personal. Let's inverse that. If I'm not praying, do I have a vital relationship with God? No, we're dead. Our souls are dead. Do I have a personal relationship with God if I'm not praying? No. What's meant to be personal becomes generic. So if I don't have that vital personal relationship with God through prayer, then I have a dead and generic relationship with God. And let me help you, when I have a dead and generic relationship with God, that is the spiritual definition of lukewarm, which means everything that pertains to my faith is a burden. Everything is a rule. Everything is, do I have to do this? Because I'm just irritated. I don't want to do anything else for God. God annoys me because there's no life of prayer. Because the soul is withered up. So it's in prayer we have that vital and personal relationship with God. Prayer, I want to remind us, is not only speaking to God, but also listening to him. And it's that listening part of prayer that we all need to work on. And the Lord's Day is here to help us. And so on the Lord's Day, I want to encourage you, yes, pray the liturgy of the hours and the rosary and other prayers of the church. All of them are beautiful. But I also want you to give the time, because God's giving you the time, to truly stop Pause your activities, rest, and allow yourself to be in the presence of God who loves you, speaking to him and listening to him. We live such fast-paced lives in our world today. We are so busy. People will say, I'm too busy to pray. <laughs> if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. <laughs> and the Lord is giving you an entire day in order for you to have some time for prayer. During the Lord's Day, we have to make sure we respond to this, this call to prayer. As a suggestion, on the Lord's Day, I would encourage you to block out some time for this level of prayer. I'm going to take this time in order just to sit, use one of these prayer methods, if they are helpful, or use whatever might help you to speak and listen to God, to have that quiet time with God. 
Maybe you can come before Mass and do this time before Mass, this prayer time. And maybe you can do it before Mass at home if you can't get to church earlier. Or maybe you can do it before a large meal on the Lord's Day. So maybe you have a big lunch, maybe you have a big dinner. You can have that prayer time before the meal. By the way, I've learned it's better to do it before the meal. <laughs> you do it after the meal, you're going to be doing some horizontal meditation. Okay, <laughs> so Our Lady of the Dormition, huh? If this prayer time is done at home, then a recommendation can be for each family member to choose a different part of the house or the yard. So maybe the spouses will say, I'll have the front of the house, you have the back of the house. I'll be upstairs, you have downstairs. Or it's a nice day, I'll be out front, you take the backyard. And you just pick those prayer places. I remember the family has their prayer place. And you tell everyone when it comes time for that time of prayer, okay, we're going to take 30 minutes. Everybody check their, their watches. 30 minutes. Go to your prayer place. And there's now sacred silence being placed upon this family. No one is allowed to speak. Everyone has to go to their prayer place and be with God. Now, I know this can be difficult. We always want to say, well, it would be difficult for the young families with children. That's true. But let's be honest. It's difficult for all of us. Right? Because first, we actually have to make time to do it. Then we actually have to do it. And then when we're doing it, we have to make sure we don't fall into this, oh, tomorrow i got to call this person and email that person. We have to be, uh, be aware and, and, and make sure we don't fall into our to-do list to actually have this time of prayer. The more structure you get to this time of prayer on the Lord's Day, the more likely you are to do it. And I encourage you to be strict about this time. This is our prayer time. This is what we're going to do. This is the 30 minutes. There's silence. No one is speaking. Everybody turn off your phones. Turn off the television. Everybody go to your prayer place. Friends, let prayer become an oasis where you rest and are rejuvenated by the presence of God who loves you. Hear God call to you on his day to come and be with him, to block out that time for prayer, to speak and to listen to God, to be rejuvenated by his presence and his grace. Allow yourself to accept the call to pray, to rest on the Lord's day.